Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning in to another episode of the 757 Renaissance Man podcast. I have to give you a warning up front. This is about to turn into a very blurtastic episode. It's about to go down here real fast. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to introduce you to my brother in podcasting, Drew from Drew versus the World. How you doing, sir? I'm good, man. Good to be on the 757 Renaissance Man podcast. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, so I've talked before that I have a very specific group of podcasters that we normally get up in the morning. We kind of plot our world domination for the day together. We run ideas across each other. And you're one of this fantastic conglomerate that we have. Um, so while I have you here, we're going to nerd out about podcasting and the, dish, the, the things that we have to do and what we have to face, not only being podcasters, but being podcasters of color. Mm. Oh, listen, man. Uh, you see, I, I listened to Michael Munoz's show and he was talking about, you know, having three, four hours, four days and eight months to talk about this. We can go on forever. <laughs> but it's I just to like touch on the community that we have and how much it's inspirational to both of us is that they have done this um, daily, you know, podcast podcast i guess clubhouse room for probably almost six or seven months and i've only missed let's say maybe three days out of those seven eight months because Mm -hmm. not they just don't it's not just information that you gather it's a sense of friendship genuine friendship people bouncing ideas off each other people with open minds that have years and years of experience giving you you know insight on something that you are doing and you thought was just a hobby from before I started clubhouse. I didn't know, I knew there was that many podcasts, but I didn't know there were that many podcasters. Right. Right. right, right. So now you see like how many, so much plethora, so much different variety. Like there are people that are, you know, that do safety. There are people that do about suicide prevention. There are people that do, you know, different realms of the of the world of podcasting and it just makes you more hungry for that space because now you know that you can find a niche within inside this niche of itself but um being black in the podcast space is a whole different ball game because you are thought to have to keep this cool for quote unquote cool facade or not be like we say blurred or be not controversial but be be different than the quote unquote norm is so it's always 
tying that line to being exactly who you want to be. And it's it's hard to get in those spaces. And there's a lot of, you know, white people in our community that are like, yeah, you know, I do this and I do. And, we're like, and I'm like, uh, I can't really do it like that because <laughs> either I'm going to be called an Uncle Tom or I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be pushed down in the Patreon of other podcasters because they're like, okay, we already have one of you already. So mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a hard line to try off, man. I, 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 I but it's fun as, fu- as fun as heck. <laughs> this is beautiful. What is that, <laughs> So, um, yeah, that might happen a couple of times during this episode, but it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> but um so yeah man i um i think it was interesting like but like you were saying before um that this particular clubhouse room i knew of people who podcasted but i've very i didn't know personally other podcasters mm. with one exception my cousin is the one who gave me the podcast bug he invited me on his podcast but he lives in Oklahoma. So it was like nobody I could really like physically go out to and touch and like ask mm-hmm. questions and get feedback and find out different strategies until I stumbled across this particular room. And I think maybe, you know, I w- I'm very anti Apple. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> we're gonna have we're gonna butt heads in here. I got everything Apple. I got Apple TV. I got an Apple. I'm talking on Mac right now. I got iPhones. I had I've had the first iPhone and the first iPod. Yeah, iPod that ever came out. Yeah, they lost me with the iPod. After the iPods, that's when they lost me. But I'm Team Android, Team Windows all day long. And it, but it took me because of that. I almost missed out on Clubhouse. Mm, okay okay like it really took um, another cousin of mine who's a mu- music producer was like hey no i don't care what you got going on you gotta do what you gotta do to get in on this especially being a creative and yes. being able to talk to other people and kind of um figure out a plan you need to kind of be it's where you can find your tribe really a hundred percent and it was interesting because there's like bigger clubs that relate to podcasting on clubhouse. Right. And we, we both know who they are. We don't have to say their names, Mm -hmm. but it just feels like you're one of a number. Right. But with this community, it feels like you're, you're almost friends without meeting people. And that's Mm -hmm. where, because even I was there a little bit before you. And even when you came in, you had, you know, questions, they answer your questions, but now you become an inc- int- like intricate part. They're like, hey, where's Sean with the stings? Where's Sean with the, um, the noises? Like, oh, this would be a good um, question for Sean. And then there are people that actually, you know, s- sharing your good graces and then people reach out to you probably and like, hey, can I be on your podcast? Or, hey, what's your story? Because you, you just don't have this Renaissance Man podcast. You have the LVAD Talk podcast, you know, and there's a community now where you can share and just be genuinely yourself, ask questions and know you're going to get answers instead of ask a question. And then they're like, Hey, can you go back to um, the state? I mean, back to the audience. <laughs> All right. They don't even give a, or, or a, hit you with the, hold on, let's schedule a meeting. And uh, then they hit you up for two ninety nine. 
Oh man. All right. So I had I had like a similar um experience and it was this gentleman. I'm not gonna name no names. Name but... up, name up, name up. <laughs> uh, oh <man>. my god. <laughs> but he so I'm he reached out to me. He's like, Oh yeah, you know, I can get you celebrity interviews. I'm like, Okay, cool, you know. I, you know, really I'm not really into the celebrity game but it'll be cool to have some celebrities i want to have on but i want like weird celebrities like you know like uh edward Matthau. like mm -hmm. i want weird people <laughs> like in my like people that are not like tom cruise or something like that so he talks to me and i'm i'm like he gives me a price i'm like what i'm like whoa that's freaking insane first and foremost i'm like and then i'm looking at the work he's done i'm like it's kind of mediocre to pick compared to what i'm doing i know you have a bigger stage yes but your green screen work is trash. Your video work is trash. Your Instagram followers are, you know, you have Instagram followers, but it's no interaction. It was just a whole thing of, it just went downhill from there. And I've been in, I've been in that space once. And every time somebody hits me up like, oh, can you, no, I don't, I don't, I wash my hands with that situation. And I'd rather go off after people that I want on the podcast that are interesting to me and don't have as many likes or many followers than people that have millions and millions of followers. And I mean, well, if you turn, tune into Drew vs. the World the next couple of weeks, you might see somebody with, with a couple of people with a lot of followers, but I'm just saying, you know, I did it myself <laughs> though. <laughs> so what started the Drew versus the World podcast? What was your inspiration? And then how did you finally get started? So what this is a great story and I'll be sharing this at share your pod at shareyourpod.com. Shareyourpod.com. Um, <laughs> but um I, so I it was interesting because I was in a stage in my life where I'm I'm a very technical guy. I deal with data on a day-to-day -day basis, deal with like a lot of technology. And I was that type A personality, but I always loved the arts. I always loved to sit down and listen to music. Live music is my jam, right? Literally my jam. Um, and I love live art. I love like even looking at murals that have been painted on streetcars and um, on you know, buildings have always interested me. So I was really hungry for doing something myself that was artistic, but also kept me in kind of my lively role. And I, the one thing I do love is I love to travel. So I've been to like 30 plus countries and I love to experience different people. I think I've learned more from people than I ever learned from school. So I, I was sitting down with a bunch of my friends who are like rap artists, media, like um, uh, media creators, um, a couple of videographers, a couple of photographers, and some people that just, you know, they, they, I call them, they straight up hustlers, you know, <laughs> uh, from an arts game from, you know, we don't want to talk about it type game, <laughs> but we were just all sitting down and we were just like, yeah, man, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to do this. And I was like, okay. They was like, Drew, you should do something. And I was like, well, I really want to do a podcast, but I really, I really don't know. So it took me five months because I'm a researcher-holic. I researched all the podcast spaces in Charlotte. I And I went and I kept on going and it was on my work laptop and I would keep on going to that same site over and over again. I was like, ah, is it my time now? No, I don't really, you know, I don't have no guests. I don't really know what to do. So I, I went one day, my friend was just like, listen, you should just do it. Like, just do something and we'll be there for you. And I was like, okay, let me 
look at this, look at the space. So I said the space and so we sat down and we was like, oh, okay, it could be an interview based podcast. And I was like, okay, and I can interview you guys because you guys are artists, you guys are in kind mm-hmm. of the arts and stuff like that. So I was like, I interview you guys and it can work out like that. So there's, I was coming up with a name and I was like, you know, I kind of want to be like Drew's podcast or something. I want to connect to me. They, and he was like, man, you're always like trying to go against people like in conversation because I'm a, I'm a, I'm a blur too. So if you want to talk Spider-Man, if you want to talk like things, I'm very like, I will, I will use my hands and I will talk to you <laughs> like this. I'd be like, no, no, no. So there was like, man, it, it has to be something where you're going against people. And I was like, Drew versus the world. Let's just do that because my one of my favorite movies of all time, well, not my all time, but my top favorite movies is Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Oh yeah. And I, I was like, it was like, yeah, just do Drew versus the world. I was like, you know what? Perfect. So my first episode was with Randall, Randall Red, one a good friend of mine, and it was trash. Like the audio was <laughs> trash. I was we was just talking, we was really talking like how we would talk if we was drunk or high. Like, like not even going to hold you. Like yeah. we were just talking, like we were just talking, there was no structure to it. It was just kind of like conversational and things like that. And, uh, I know people say a lot that that's how it's supposed to be. But a lot of the times what was happening is we were given the breath of the situation, the complete understanding of everything. So that's how I really got started. I got, I had two lapel mics. My homeboy hooked me up with, he had a little camera on his phone and we just talked into, um, two iPhones. Mm-hmm. And then send that to my boy, and he chopped it up. And then that was the first episode, and that was the beginning of Jurassic World. Until I st- I found that I used that space that I was looking at for months and months and months. And then that's when I started like interviewing people and local people here in Charlotte as well. Mm-hmm. So, do you find that most of the people you interview are local, um, and is that done on purpose? Oh, hold on one second. I'm sorry. I, my fiance is calling me. Hopefully everything's okay. Okay, can you hear me? Yeah. All right. Post. This is being post. Um, <laughs> uh, so to answer your question, um, yes, they were local. Um, so I was doing every, I was doing it at a place called Huga. I think it's Huga, H Y G G E, um, and it was a local podcast studio here in Charlotte. It was at a co-working space. And the idea was just to have people come into the studio and then we just chop it up and things like that. Um, but what happened and I think was the best thing for my podcast was COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, when COVID hit that, that person to person connection was out the window. So what I had to do was pivot. So I was like, oh man, how can I start 
actually connecting with people without having to go in person. So I started out thinking about Zoom. And then I don't know what happened, but this um, this commercial commercial or this um, ad for Squadcast came up. And I was like, okay, Squadcast. Everybody's talking talking that Zoom is not the way to go. So I was like, let me try Squadcast out. And that's when everything took off because <laughs> once I was able to do a great great audio it wasn't video it was just great audio great audio through my computer now i have the world at my fingertips and this is what pushed the diverse world agenda i was able now i'm able to touch i was able to talk to people from england scotland um australia from um new zealand from africa like all these different almost all the continents just because COVID hit and I had to pivot and talk to other people um, and figure out how to do everything virtually. So, um, yeah. So to answer your question, it was began as just in person and now it's actual, actually, um, anybody who has a story, anybody who's a world changer, anybody who thinks they're a world changer, anybody who wants to become a world changer. That's my whole thing. I'm here to take people's story and feed it to people who want to grow and become a better version of themselves. So if it has to be somebody from Australia, it could be somebody from Australia. But as long as the message is clear and through, I, I want to take it take it there. But I do want to focus more on my area here in Charlotte because I feel like there's so many dope stories mm -hmm. and um, and they're not being told the way they should be told. So, yeah. I think that's interesting where um, I'm trying to do the opposite of what you just did. My podcast was born out of um, creative frustration during COVID. So now I'm I'm used to just only doing virtual in interviews, and now we're trying to shift into the in-person interview. So since you've been in that space before I was, what's your advice? Oh, man. My advice is don't let me... Okay. Um. <laughs> oh, my God! <laughs> don't let people um, mess with your time. Mm -hmm. So you're going to have spaces for a limited amount of time. I don't know. You said that you may be using a spaces that your friend holds or something like that. But you have your limited amount of time. Where I was at was you get a time slot. You get an hour time slot and you pay for the hour time slot. And people would just show up 30 minutes late, 15 minutes late, things like that. And it happened to me maybe four or five times before I'm like, hey, if you're here um, more than 10 minutes late, I'm canceling this interview and I don't care. Like it, it became a, and I'm big on time value, like mm -hmm. you valuing my time. I will value your time if you value my time. And that's why I, I try to move like re recently I've been trying to move um, podcasts around because I'm like, I can't give you all of me at that time. So I'd rather not do it now and give you all of me at another time. But when people devalued my time, that was the most important thing for me. But also you already have a quick, good equipment. You already have good cameras. Um, I heard you talking to the tech guy. You're going to have three or four cameras. I think you're going to go with cannons and things like that. Like, you have the whole setup and the know-how, so that's a good part. But the the intangibles is the time management, mm -hmm. the looking people in the eye, like and getting get. I like to get in people's soul. That's always been my thing. Look mm -hmm. in your eye. I want to get in your soul. I want you to. I want people to start crying. 
<laughs> but I want you to cry. I want you to look like because when you look at when you when you're talking to somebody, definitely in a podcast, they get very like um, some people get very hush mouth because they didn't want to talk to you as in depth. So you got to pull it out. Definitely in person. So just um, yeah, I think those those are kind of my things. Don't let them waste your time and really look them in the eye really get you know look at body movement look at posture look at things like um people like tensed up like like people tensed up and they're just making conversation watch their shoulders relax and then going for the kill mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, that's <laughs> like i would say you have to be like have those questions that are like oh my goodness like oh like nothing like that but Ask those thought-provoking questions at that time because then they're loose with you. Um, and always be early for yourself. Be early for yourself. So if if you're gonna have to be there at one o'clock, make sure you're there at you know at at twelve thirty. So you know you gotta set up, you gotta sit down, you gotta feel get comfortable yourself. Mm-hmm. And when they come in and they're like, oh man, like you got this all set up, like and. The bigger guests will appreciate that because it's again you're valuing their time now. So they'll be like, okay, what do you need from me? That's why when I sat down here, I asked you, what do you want from this episode? Because that's an important part too. Because you want to know what your, you know, interviewer wants to get out of you, and that's that's. So those are my keys to in-person um, podcasting. Um, uh, a little bit. <laughs> All right. So right now. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna ask you a double question. Ooh. What makes Drew happy right now, and what pisses Drew off right now? Ooh. In podcasting or just in life? <laughs> just in life. Ooh man, um, you know what makes me happy? Oh man, this is what made me sad. But uh, where I'm at as a man, mm-hmm. and when I say that is I was very much the type of person to be, you know, very um, hmm, selfish with my time. Very like, um, I didn't want to be a father. I didn't want to be a husband. I didn't want, I just wanted to do what I wanted to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, I've come to enjoy all aspects of those things that I didn't want to do so much to the point where I, I don't see myself without it. And every day I wake up and I, and I, you know, see my children and I see my fiance and I figure out like, okay, I got a decent job, but I even have a better family at all times. It's just what makes me so happy. And I don't show it a lot and I don't, I don't think I give it as much value as I should. And I, and I'm working on that, you know, through therapy, through just meditation, through just all those different things. Um, but that's what makes me happy. Just understanding the growth I, of who I became, because I could have went left very early in life. And I just, I'm happy that I'm, I made that pivot right. And I changed a lot of the, because my first daughter, I mean, my my daughter in general, she's not my first daughter, but my daughter in general, she was, I want to say, she was a surprise, <laughs> to say the least. So at that time, I was wilding out, boy. I was going to parties. I was spending money. I had a nice job, nice suits. I was moving around. 
and I didn't care who I was messing with or what I was doing. I was just going to have a good time. And she just grounded the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. And I was so happy that that happened because it pivoted me to who I am now. So I, I'm happy about that. I'm happy about my family. I'm happy about the man who I am now. What pisses me off, man, I don't know who's going to see this, but my <laughs> <laughs> my connection to my daughter's mother pisses me off right now. Okay. I'm be I'm be 100% candid. I don't care. <laughs> um oh my god. <laughs> and it's because I feel like I've been doing the work on myself, but she hasn't been doing the work on herself. And I feel like I go come in cuz I used to be a hot hot-headed young boy. Mm-hmm. And I come in now with like peace and grace and love and compassion and empathy. And it's met with vitriol at all points. And that pisses me off. Right now we're, we're having a heated debate about school supplies. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I brought all the school supplies. I want to send them to you. Oh, well, I want them now. Like what? Like <laughs> school doesn't start for another two weeks. Like what's happening here? Oh, I now I want I want these clothes. I'm like, okay, why are we doing fifty? Then I have to integrate that with my new relationship. So trying to integrate that relationship with a new relationship and my fiance seeing me getting frustrated now she's like wanting to snap back at her i'm like kind of got to chill but kind of don't chill <laughs> so, <laughs> so that's what kind of makes me mad but i really a lot of the time it's a lot of yoga a lot of like i do a lot of like i was really big into com- combat sports growing up um so i i wanted to be an mma fighter so i used to do a lot of Thai kickboxing and things like that. So I got back into that mode and, and getting back into jujitsu. And I've been doing that and that's been helping me release a lot of anger. So has been lifting weights. So has been, you know, just working out. Even yoga has been big. And again, therapy, 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 therapy. I can't see that anymore. If you need help, hire somebody to talk to. And it and it's okay to not be okay Mm -hmm. and as a young black man saying that 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 wouldn't happen 15 20 years ago so i hope people are taking that their mental health is as important as their physical health at all times all right so that's a good that's a good um uh place to land um mental health i find uh, like you were saying 10 15 years ago two young black men talking on a platform, mental health probably wouldn't wouldn't have come up. No, we, we would have said um, the word bitch at least three times by now. So <laughs> let's, let's big facts like and it's it's great that the world is changing um, and it's good that we're changing that aspect of our lives. Um, understanding that you know, people have anxiety. I But you know, then it comes it comes with it comes with the extremes of it too because now everybody's like oh my toe hurts i have anxiety i can't right, go to work right, but right. i'm like listen there are so the only time i even say i'm anxious is like when i feel my body being anxious because anxiety is not something you can diagnose yourself mm-hmm. it's actually it has to be diagnosed by a doctor so if people saying you're anxious 
No, that's your body's just natural fight or flight instincts just taking into effect. Now, anxiety is crippling. It's like you're not getting out your bed in the morning or you're you're thinking, you know, you can't go to sleep at night or or things are happening happening in your brain that you can't control without without some type of drugs drugs to kind of soothe it down. So that's that's the good and bad part of this whole mental health renaissance is that some people are extremely overly mental health. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know if that doesn't make sense. And then there's some people that they're still in the old school way of like, I'm not talking about my feelings, get out of my face. Like I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to shove this down. And then that shoving down comes, here's cancer or something like mm-hmm. some physical ailment. And you're like, Oh, why do I feel so bad? And I'm keeping myself healthy and it's going to come out some way. Like, Either it's going to come out your mouth, it's going to come out in some physical like ailment, uh, headaches, migraines, you know, shaky leg syndrome. I don't know what it is, but it's, you're going to get something out from, you, from your physical that's coming out to your mental. So, hey, everybody out there, take care of your mental health. So, all right, keeping on that and being that, you know, I'm going to poke the bear anytime I get a chance to poke the bear. Uh, and normally, since, you know, two brothers of color get on, a conversation that normally turns to race because mm-hmm. we have to deal with it, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, that's when people say privilege and white privilege, I want them to understand that it's more than just, you know, the water fountains or, um, you know, the old school classic civil, civil rights struggles. Mm-hmm. It's something as simple as two brothers going to therapy. That's privilege. And the fact that certain people, without offending anybody, Karens tend to have a skewed outlook on what anxiety really is. Mm. Like, to me, you know, just because somebody asks you to take your mask off shouldn't be anxiety or put your mask on shouldn't be anxiety triggering. The fact that one of my ancestors was hanging from a tree should be. So it's kind of like, that's one of the things I struggle with. Like I want to be sensitive to other people, but your anxiety and my anxiety are two different things. And, and we both know there are some things, and this is like, this is genetic. There's some things that are transferred through genes, right? There's some things that are transferred through life experiences from people that have, that you know in your generation. And that's trauma. Right. Trauma trauma is passed along from generation to generation. And from you, from your great, great grandfather seeing you, you know, family members, friends being hung from trees that trickles down into your livelihood like your day-to-day and that's not like oh it was thousands of years ago it was two thousand no. years ago no. that was that's that's that was one generation ago that was yeah, like 50 was, years or less like like your your grandparents knew about that it's not like your great 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 grand grandparents knew about that it's like your grandparents knew about that and that when you say that it, it brings it to a space of like People have to understand where we're, where you're starting from. This is not a free. This is not the same race. If I'm running a, if I'm running an 800 meter, let, let's, if I'm running 100 meters, and you're starting at the 50, 50 meter, and I'm starting all the way back 
inside my home. I have to get to, <laughs> get to the stadium to run the same race as you. You obviously have an advantage and that's the privilege that you have. Now, I'm not saying that the privilege you have is not, has not been created by successes in your racial group, but you also have to say, we have helped you with your successes as well. So for you not to pull us up while you're being pulled up, that's where I find the issue. Don't push us down in the trenches when we were the one in the trenches fighting with you and or fighting a better fight than you have ever fought. And it's, this whole thing is, is a racism and people just, it's just come the fuck on now. Like, come on. Like, oh you know, my God. <laughs> like, like, you know, you know what's happening. It's, there's no, like, there's no, like, oh, I didn't know I lived in Missouri and this thing happened in New York. I have no idea what happened. Mm -hmm. You understand racism and as somebody living in Missouri, there's internet, there's YouTube, there's social media. You've seen all this happen. So for you to be socially ignorant is crazy. And back to your thing about anxiety, social anxiety is real too. Mm -hmm. Definitely for a black man being in white spaces. Mm-hmm. To have that social anxiety, we're, we're just going into that space. You're like, okay, I do I have to code switch here? Can I be myself? Can I wear these Jordans? Can I not wear these Jordans? Do I can I wear the polo or can, do I have to wear these uh, Brooks Brothers? Like you have to think about all these different things because where you're at in your life might be not the same place these white people are at, and they're the majority of the of the people you're going to see every day. Mm -hmm. So what I always like to do, and I and I. I do this with my family too, is I love being in black spaces. So I take my daughter like every other week or every, every week to a black owned restaurant or a black owned store or a black owned da -da 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 -da. so that she sees people that are looking like you across the counter and they're not just flipping fries. They're giving you goods. They're what you call it saying, Hey, how you doing? And you see a face that's smiling back at you that look at you. So it's important to be in these black spaces and understand that, you know, I, I don't want to call it separism, separation, but some type of separation from your white counterparts needs to happen for your mental health because you need to be in your tribe. You need to see people that look like you. Now, you cannot see people that look like you and be a Charlie all you want, but it's not going to be beneficial to your health. Like even the people that grew up with white friends, you always have, they're, they're always a little different. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've ever seen them. You're like, oh, I have no, I have no black friends. They're always a little different because they don't, they're like, mm, I'm in this space, but they heard the N word a couple of times and they, that they was like, mm, should I fight you or do I, <laughs> do I let this ride? So it's like, you have to kind of come back to the people that you care about. I'm not saying don't connect with other people outside your race because I feel like that's the important thing about traveling is that you see other people that's outside your race you experience you have experiences but always come back and know who you are because it's highly important for your mental health as well so I, I don't know if I went on a tangent there but <laughs> that's that was my that's my spiel for today I figured I figured I can get one out of it I had to poke the bear <laughs> <laughs> Man, I could go all day in that. That's that's a topic that, and I went to HBCU, so I never, I never got. Oh yeah, you can play the, you can play the music. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I 
All right, so tell everybody which HBCU you went to. The uh, illustrious, the infamous John C. Smith Universities. There we go. And, of course, I represent the wonderful Norfolk State University. Behold the green and gold. There you go. Hey, do the robot like the Chappelle show. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I, that, all right, because we're already going, we're going going over time a little bit. But tell me your experience um, going to your HBCU. Now, did you go to your HBCU from a black school or a white high school? See, I I live in Brooklyn, New York. I grew up in New York, so there was didn't get. I got experiences with white people a lot, but my school was primarily out of Puerto Rican. Well, I would say Spanish because it was Puerto Rican, Ecuadorian, Honduran, like all those different types of cultures. Then it was a couple of white kids sprinkled in the middle, like a little salt and a big thing of pepper. And Mm -hmm. then it was majority of black kids. Well, majority were Caribbean, Caribbean Americans. So it was a lot of like, um, a lot of like island culture people Mm -hmm. that I went. So it wasn't too big of a transition. Um, But I knew... Because I got accepted to all the colleges, which I, were called SUNY, which is City Universities of New York, and then CUNY, no, yeah, City University is CUNY, then SUNY is State University of New York. So I, all the ones I got apl- I applied for, I got accepted to. But my uncle and my aunt went to Smith when they were in college. Mm-hmm. So they was like, hey, just apply. And, you know, I had a horrible GPA, but I had an amazing SAT score. Mm-hmm. So I was like, they was like, just apply, you know, and I was like, oh, whatever. And I did a thing called, they called it, um, it's like a, basically you go on campus and you stay there like a week and a half. And then you're just like a new, it's like kind of like a new student orientation, but for students that haven't got there yet. Mm -hmm. And and I was like, damn, I kind of like this here. (laughs) Like it was like, it was like, it was in Charlotte and it was like away from my family. And it was also like, you know, the honeys, man, the honeys. But, uh, and it was just, I can be my authentic self here. I can be a nerd. I can be, you know, a tech guy. I can be, you know, I can be the, you know, the jock. Cause I was running track at the time. I could be the track star. I can be all these different facets and keep my blackness at the same time. So I was like, you know what? I really, really love it. And it was a great experience having teachers that look like you mm-hmm. having, you know, peers that look like you having people that, you know, and even the city, it was like, you know, men that look like you driving up in Ferraris or Porsches and things like that. You're like, okay, I can do this. Or even going, I did a bunch of internships and even in my internships, it was like, Oh, okay. This guy looks like me. And he's like a director of whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, our big thing here is bank of America and Wells Fargo. Um, so even in those communities, it's like, you know, you have people that are in, in the call center and then you have the people that are in the, I would say the corporate side of those banks and seeing those people that like me in those banks was beneficial as well. So it was just a great transition. The first day I got, no, the first week I got into, <laughs> into Smith, I'm the first kid in my, like my direct family to go to college. So my mother's children and I, we, I was in this thing called HBCU Up, 
And I came there. I was like, listen, I don't got no money. I need some money. So how can I get some money? Like I sat, I sat down, I like sat down. It was like this hall and they was talking about like, oh yeah, you know, welcome. I was like, listen, I got no money. I don't know how I'm going to go to college. I need you to figure out I'm going to get money. And this late lady, I was just, I would remember her to this day. Her name's Miss McCray. She sits me down. She's like, okay, the only way you're going to get money is either you make the money or you find a way how to make the money. And I was like, okay. Just let me know how I can make it. And from then, we had a relationship. She would just send me scholarship stuff. Like, okay, fill this out. Write essays. Everything like that. It was almost like a family atmosphere. Mm-hmm. And you probably got that same same experience. It was it was not like you're just a number. You're just not one, one, two, three, four. When you went when you go into that, you know, the sign up for new classes. Like, hey, how you doing? How you doing? Yeah, everything good. Yeah, all right. Okay. How your mother? How's how? Yeah, everything good. Okay, cool. Yeah, let me take this. You know, you ain't supposed to write on this like this. You know, you ain't supposed to write right, on this like right. this. Okay. I'm going to take it on here, but I'm, here's a pen. Here's a pen. Go right here. Next. Okay. Just stay right here. I'm going to take you when you finish that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it's just like, it's like, you know, you have a lot of aunties and uncles and family members in there that you just, you know, you got their freshman year and you just acquired them because it was so, so in the grain that they want to see you grow as well. They want to see you do well as well because it, it was a good, it's, it looks good on them as well as, you know, to have somebody that comes out as a black man to positive, it was just, it looked good all around. So mm-hmm. that was my experience at Smith. And uh, I, I also joined, you know, the, the best fraternity in the world, Phi Beta Sigma Fraternity Incorporated, okay. you know, Blue Phi. But um, other than that, it was just, you know, after that, it was just wild. But <laughs> my schooling education was amazing. I couldn't, I couldn't, I want my children to go to HBCUs. That experience was, I think, monumentous, definitely for somebody who didn't want to go to college in the first place. Yeah, man. <laughs> All right, like, so we're going to definitely have a part two. And yeah, go. I got a feeling that we're going to probably try to do a live or something together very, very, very mm, soon. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so the way that I end all of my episodes, mm-hmm. um, if a young Drew came up to you and asked you for life experience, what would you tell him? Mm, two things. Put money into cloud computing. That's my first thing. Mm-hmm. And then secondly, always be yourself. Because when you get older, that's all you're going to have. That's the most, that's going to be the most important thing to you is to be yourself. All this facade you're doing, the jewelry, the Jordans, the jerseys are going to fade. This style is going to fade. Prada is going to hate you as a person. But at the end of the day, you're going to have yourself. So be it, be true to yourself, and people are going to love you. Awesome. How can people catch Drew from Drew versus the World Podcast? All right. You can, first and foremost, I'm not going to leave this out without saying thank you, Sean, for you know finally having me on the 757 Renaissance, <laughs> man. And I will, I will definitely have you on Drew versus the World, and we're going to make it 
eventually when I get my schedule together. But um, the way you can listen to Drew versus Worlds on anything smoking of um, podcasts, um, so Spotify, you know, um, Pandora, Audible, Apple Podcasts, anything. Um, or you can go to DrewVersusTheWorld.com. Um, you can follow me at at Drew vs. the World podcast on Instagram, um, Drew vs. the World podcast on Facebook, and also Drew vs. the World on Twitter. And um, just listen in, comment, um, let me know what you think of the show. If you want to come on, reach out to me. And again, love, peace, chicken grease from the Drew. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this has been another episode of the 757 Renaissance Man podcast. As always, you can reach us at 757renaissanceman.com. You can listen here, leave us voicemails, leave us messages, all the things. I want to thank you again, Drew, for taking your time out your day, gracing us with your presence. I have a feeling you're going to be back. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Sean. That's Drew. And we out.